everyone in this quick episode i'm going to be talking about four easy strategies i use to assess if a company is worth investing in especially at the earliest of stages and let's face it angel investing is becoming more and more popular and accessible nowadays but the problem is that not everyone is is equipped with the right techniques to make such important decisions so today i'm going to be sharing some practical tips you can use to help make you a better investor and lastly this is by no means investing advice be smart and understand the risks involved and make sure you do your own due diligence when it comes to these investment decisions okay so with that let's get into it So whether you're an angel investor or venture capitalist, if you ever get an opportunity to invest in an early stage company, one of the thoughts that will probably cross your mind is where do I even start and how do I even make an informed decision about what to invest in? Now remember, investing in private companies isn't the same as public and businesses. In private markets, there's very little public information you can find on early stage companies. There's no financial statements, no real track record, and no real defined market. And they're probably still trying to find product market fit. But it doesn't matter. Now is the time for you to make a choice about whether I'm going to invest in my money into what could be a potential rocket ship or wait it out and see if there's other opportunities on the horizon. Now, don't get me wrong. Everyone's investing journey will be different, but the destination is going to be the same. But if you feel lost and maybe this is your first time making a hard decision like this, here's four key areas you can think about to make your decision a little bit easier. I call it the FPTS method. Let's start with founders. These people are the rock, the center, the visionaries, and perhaps even the misfits and rebels. They are everything and without them, no business would exist in the first place. I can't stress this out enough on how important the founders are in determining the fate of a company. So when I meet with founders, I want to know who they are as people, how they met, if there's more than one, how they work together, and for how long they've known each other for as well. Meet them in person if you can and get a sense of their personality. It's a telling sign. But it doesn't stop there. Your job as an investor is to identify if these are the people who can not only solve the problem, but who can also build a solution that can scale and make money from it. But even more so than the founders is of putting the focus on the actual CEO. The job of a CEO is super unique. There's no one like them. They're the ones who are driving the company forward from the fundraising and setting the vision to hiring the right people and delegating tasks to the right teams. You're looking for a CEO who's tenacious, but who can hustle and persevere during the toughest of times, but who can also look at the big picture, learn from their mistakes and adapt to changing circumstances. I've seen great ideas that have turned to mush because of poor execution, but at the same time, I've been witness to not so great ideas at the beginning turn into world-class products because the leaders at the top were able to adapt, recalibrate and properly execute. And finally, work with founders who have a sense of purpose in what they're doing. Make sure they're doing this because there's a why and not doing this for the money. Here's a quick snippet from Simon Simon Sinek's TED talk on explaining the importance of setting a why in building an enduring business. This little idea explains why some organizations and some leaders are able to inspire where others aren't. Let me define the terms really quickly. 
Every single person, every single organization on the planet knows what they do 100%. Some know how they do it, whether you call it your differentiating value proposition or your proprietary process or your USP. But very, very few people or organizations know why they do what they do. And by why, I don't mean to make a profit. That's a result. It's always a result. By why, I mean what's your purpose? What's your cause? What's your belief? Why does your organization exist? Well, as a result, the way we think, the way we act, the way we communicate is from the outside in. It's obvious. We go from the clearest thing to the fuzziest thing. But the inspired leaders and the inspire or inspired organizations, regardless of their size, regardless of their industry, all think, act, and communicate from the inside out. Next is a problem. Okay, so most founders usually focus on building a solution, and that's fine. But remember, the solution is fluid and can change over time, but also there's no point in building a solution to a problem that doesn't really exist. The problem, on the other hand, is more or less fixed. This is why I love founders who are completely obsessed with the problem and understand it intimately. Take Airbnb, for example. When the founders were strapped for cash, they decided to rent out their apartment loft to visitors who were en route to visit the Industrial Designers Conference in San Francisco by launching a simple website called airbedandbreakfast.com. And to much of their surprise, the idea actually worked. From here, they started to hone in on the problem again and again and again over multiple iterations, talking to their customers and getting valuable feedback. The Airbnb story is just one of many examples that have put strong focus on the problem. Google, for example, came out because they had a problem with the poor performance of Yahoo and AltaVista and solved it with PageRank. Uber focused on solving a problem where there was an inefficiency in the use of existing taxi services and thereby giving rise to the ride-sharing economy. The bottom line is that founders who are problem-driven give themselves the ability to adapt to flexible solutions that can better cater for their customers and the overall market in the long term. Next comes the solution. This is where the company is proposing their specific way of addressing that problem. If the founders have thought long and hard about the problem as well as done enough market research to see if the problem is valid, then their solution should be pretty good. Now, when I talk about the solution, this is not only about the product or service they're building, but it includes so much more. The solution can include their business model on how they will generate revenue and realize profits. It includes their go-to-market strategy, their branding and marketing, their hiring strategy, and even how they will use the funding to keep them alive and for how long. When it comes to the solution, be sure you have enough understanding on what they're building. In some cases, the problem might be easy to understand, but the solution may not be. And this is where red flags can arise. If you feel that the solution is too complicated, then perhaps it's time to step back and ask if the solution is the right one. If you don't understand their solution, don't assume you know it's going to work. Ask more questions and even bring in people from your network who might be able to understand. This will help provide peace of mind, but also a chance for you to look at other parts of the solution. Evaluating a company's solution gives you the opportunity to understand if they're headed in the right direction and to look beyond just the product and see what else they're doing to ensure they are setting themselves up for success. And finally, last but not least, is timing. Timing can sometimes be overlooked, but it probably could be one of the biggest factors in deciding the fate of a company. Check this great talk by Bill Gross when he explains that timing is more important than you think. The number one thing was timing. Timing accounted for 42% of the difference between success and failure. 
Team and execution came in second, and the idea, the differentiability of the idea, the unique idea, that actually came in third. Now, this isn't absolutely definitive. It's not to say that the idea isn't important, but it very much surprised me that the idea wasn't the most important thing. Sometimes it mattered more when it was actually timed. The last two, business model and funding, made sense to me actually. I think business model makes sense to be that low because you could start out without a business model and then add one later if your customers are demanding what you're creating. And funding, I think as well. If you're underfunded at first, but you're gaining traction, especially in today's age, it's very, very easy to get intense funding. So now let me give you some specific examples about each of these. So take a wild success like Airbnb, everybody knows about. Well, that company was famously passed on by many smart investors because people thought no one's going to rent out a space in their home to a stranger. Of course, people proved that wrong. But one of the reasons it succeeded, aside from a good business model, a good idea, great execution. Is the timing. That company came out right during the height of the recession, when people really needed extra money, and that maybe helped people overcome their objection to renting out their own home to a stranger. Same thing with Uber. Uber came out, incredible company, incredible business model, great execution too. But the timing was so perfect for their need to get drivers into the system. Drivers were looking for extra money. It was very, very important. Being able to identify a proper timing of a product into the market will give you a good sixth sense if they're too early, too late, or just right on time for the market. With timing, it's also important to remember that if the technology is mature enough for adoption, take AIML for example. Just 10 years ago, it probably wasn't good enough to deploy machine learning at scale, and so readily on phones and devices. Now it's ubiquitous and permeating everything in our lives, from social media to the news we read and recommending the videos to watch on YouTube and Netflix. The other factor is whether the market is ready for such a solution. If it's too futuristic, downright expensive, or perhaps not ready for mass adoption, it's going to be challenging scaling the product. At the end of the day, timing is all about analyzing the current and potential market for a solution, bring aspects of technology readiness. Market adoption trends and lifestyles. So that's it. I hope you enjoyed watching or listening to this episode wherever you are. Thank you so much for getting to the end. If you like any of this content, please go ahead and give us a like or even subscribe to both our channel and podcast, so we can make sure you're kept up to date with the latest episodes. I'm constantly finding ways to improve the content, so if you have any suggestions, feel free to drop them in the comment section, and I'll be sure to review each and every one of them. I'll catch you next time.